Hello all and welcome to A Bitter Chat, the official podcast of the British and Irish Trade Alliance. A podcast about people and their stories, people who happen to do business. Please do subscribe or follow on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. If you'd like to find out more about Bitter and their great work, go online to bitter.ie. That's B-I-T-A dot I-E. And you can follow them on Twitter or on Facebook. Now, Ireland is known for a lot of things. Its people, its amazing and rich history, beautiful scenery and vistas, its hospitality, uh, hospitality that might include, well, some Irish whiskey. And this week's podcast includes all these and more. Come on a little journey with me. Go on, close your eyes and let me take you to the county of Kerry in Ireland, to the shores of Loch Lean not far outside Killarney Town. There you'll find the Lakeview Estate, the family home of Sir Maurice O'Connell, a home that has been in his family for over 900 years. One of Morris's ancestors is the great Daniel O'Connell, a huge figure in Irish history who will come on to. Now, this little slice of heaven is surrounded by barley fields. It's, it's beguiling in that this is the business centre of a new venture into a highly competitive international uh, marketplace. At this, the strangest of times. Wayward Irish Spirits is seeking to be Ireland's premium single estate grain-to-glass distillery. Now, listen, Morris is an entrepreneur who has done well in property and his wife Francesca has worked in prominent positions in the city of London. Risk and assessment would be no stranger to both of them. So I began my chat with Sir Morris by asking, why whiskey? Yeah, very very good question. Um, About 20 years ago, I was in an antique shop in London and I bought an antique, a mirror, which I thought at the time was an antique mirror, and it said on it, O'Connell and Flynn, Galway Bay Irish Distillery, Irish Whiskey Distillery. And I bought it, and it's been following me around for the last 20, more than 20 years, in different flats in London, and, and it's different cloakrooms around the place. And it's sort of been nagging me in the back of my mind to do something about it. Because the we have a farm here. It's an agricultural product when all said and done. And it seemed like a good fit. It's very Irish. It's It fits into my family's history. Um, and, yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, and th- and this and this brings us to it really because at heart you're an entrepreneur so it, it wasn't it wasn't as though you said and I you love whiskey I do love I do love whiskey and my my taste has improved over the last few years uh, but it no it wasn't it wasn't just for a love of whiskey it was a love of of the land and what we could do with it and if you've got a farm. Uh, the agricultural products available to you are sort of butter or whiskey. And, yeah, I sort of thought that the whiskey was a nicer idea anyway. Uh, yeah. you, you talk about your home, your place being a farm. I'm incredibly lucky. I've been a guest there on a number of occasions. Describe it to us um, because it is beautiful. It is, it is a little like walking into an oil painting. It is, yeah, except when the rain's coming in horizontally. It is very beautiful. We're on the shores of, uh, of Loch Lean in the, in the lakes of Killarney. Uh, it, uh, 
we what we see here is that we're working towards becoming Ireland's most beautifully situated premium single estate grain to glass distillery. And we've been told that it's a beautiful place to make beautiful whiskey. Uh, it is very scenic. Um, I love to share it with people. And this is one way that we we get to do that. Uh, people come along. People come along, and once once as a brand home, it works very well. People come, and when when they park outside, and I see them go to the view, and they say, "Wow, I know I sold them." And uh, yeah, that's the easiest sell, really. That so it's been it's been a great benefit, and it's a small small estate. It's about it's about 105 acres. My family, my O'Connell family, on my father's side. Uh, moved here in about 1820 but prior to that it was owned by my mother's family the McCarthy's for a previous 700 years so between the two sides we've been here about 900 years uh, and there is I don't want to be the one to have to let it go uh, we want to have a, a legacy business for the for the place uh, and one that that had connections with the with the family history. Yeah, because and is that a great or has that been in the past a great worry? Because it is a great house, it's a beautiful house, yeah. but but the upkeep on it must be extraordinary. It's, the upkeep is was, was that was that part was that part of your thinking then? Yeah, but but it's this? not it's not just for my generation because I was quite lucky because I went away to to work and I was able to fund it from the work I was doing in the UK. Uh, uh, but for future generations, it, I wanted to leave something behind that would generate some income for the for the place. Uh, and so, been- so tell us about that and tell us about you because you are a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, you, you're in this venture now, which we'll talk more about. But give us a little plotted history of your your business life because you spend a lot of time in the UK as well, don't I you? I did, and much less now because I want to be back here and I have I have business reasons to be here in Ireland now. Uh, but uh, I went to school in the UK and then when I left school, I came to London and uh, started working in property, uh, commercial property to start off with and later on residential. And basically what I was doing was setting up uh, uh, small investor groups to buy and develop properties. And, uh, um, and yeah, I did that for 25, 30 years. Um, this is a lot more fun, a lot more interesting. Uh, the uh, yeah, I, I've I've enjoyed coming to do it, coming to do a different business. And one of the things I was able to do in in London was out of the the profits from from uh, uh, property, I was able to invest in a number of startups, and I really enjoyed the cut and thrust of of creating something from nothing because in London everything is is already there and you're adapting things you're not really doing a lot that's hugely new or different um with the startup you you are able to do that and I found that really interesting now I think you're incredibly brave and I've told you this before because <laughs> yeah, uh, here's, 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 yeah, just... no not at all here's here's a world you know uh, you know how to get investors together you know how to put money together you know how to do a property deal you know how to get that across the line and and make profit from it but actually making or creating a, a, a consumer good a drink a whiskey 
Is Did you know anything at all about that? Or were you starting with a completely blank page? I knew a lot less than I needed to know. Uh, I think it's something I, I found out along the way. Uh, I had I had a few ideas. I mean, my I have family who are in the uh, who are in the wine and spirits business. Uh, I have a lot of friends in the in the port business and uh, and spirits business. So I had a, an inkling of what was involved, uh, but nowhere near the amount of information that I now realise that I should have had to start with. But then if you if you knew at the start, you probably wouldn't start anything like this. But of course, uh, booze is in your family, isn't it? I mean, in your, in your family history, <laughs> yeah. alcohol or spirit. And uh, did you know this or did you discover this on your journey? Oh, no, I've, I've always known uh, the, um, just the, the, the family history going back a bit was... In, in about 1450 was when we first came to Kerry from County Clare and the O'Connell family. And we were based in a place called Ballycarbury Castle, just outside Carsevine. And in 1450, we were importing wines and spirits from Spain and Portugal. Uh, and this continued happily until about 1652, when uh, Oliver Cromwell came around and, and sacked the castle. So we moved further up the coast to a wonderful place called Derenan, uh, and uh, we continued the business then. And this was a, a legal business at this stage. But in 1661, uh, the English Parliament brought in excise duty, uh, and uh, sort of being Kerrymen, uh, we and O'Connells, we didn't necessarily think that that should be an impediment to continuing the business. So uh, we carried on. Uh, and Darren, I, I, I don't know if you, you probably do know it, but it, it's a wonderful natural harbour that's hidden from the sea uh, and surrounded by mountains. And it's virtually an O'Connell kingdom. People couldn't get in. The revenue men couldn't get in, more importantly. And those that did get in often didn't get out. And the my ancestors built up quite a, a profitable business over centuries, uh, importing luxury goods. And one of the interesting things was that their their client base would have been the gentry of Kerry. So they so the justice of the peace and the local magistrate would all have been customers. So there was there was <laughs> a, a, they had that on their side, uh, and. Uh, but the trade in the other direction would have been uh, young men going across to the continent to earn their earn their their living because because with their Catholic faith they were prohibited from from being uh, in the professions. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that because actually, so, so effectively, you're carrying on a family tradition. It's yeah. clearly it's clearly in the blood. But and and you talk about uh, Catholicism and of course Ireland, uh, obviously still steeped in that particular religion. Um, and your ancestor, Daniel, of course, um, well-known, well-known in Ireland and across the world as, as being an advocate for um, what was at the time, people who were, were pretty oppressed, weren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. I mean, the, one of the, one of the, the stories that, that I, always, I always heard was about uh, an ancestor of mine called Art O'Leary, uh, and uh, his uh, he 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 was uh, during in the penal laws you were not as a Catholic allowed to own a horse more worth more than five pounds and if 
if uh, uh, an Englishman or Protestant told you to sell him as your horse five pounds, you had to do so. He, this guy refused to do so and was beaten to death for the for the, for the uh, uh, for having done that. And this gave rise to to a what is the most beautiful poem in the Irish language called the Lament of Art O'Leary, which was written by one of my O'Connell ancestors. So uh, there, there was a lot of injustice that that uh, Catholics had to endure in those days, and uh, um, and Daniel O'Connell was born into this family in in. In Derinan, his uncle was a man called another Morris O'Connell called Hunting Cap, who built up a uh, who built up a fleet of about seven or eight ships going to and fro from the continent. We have lots of cousins in places like Bordeaux, and he would have been trading with them. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so with this, Dan was sent across to school in France because he wasn't able to be educated in Ireland. Uh, and that coincided with the start of the French Revolution. And Dan got caught up in that. And he saw the effect of, of bloodshed and revolution. And he resolved that he would achieve revolutionary change, but through peaceful means only. So uh, that was what informed his, his campaigning uh, and it was peaceful protest. And people like uh, Martin Luther King and Gandhi uh, acknowledge him as, a, as, their, as their inspiration for their peaceful protest. Uh, also a guy called Frederick Douglass, who was a freed slave, a freed American slave, who came to, uh, to Derenan to learn from Dan how to, how to achieve change peacefully. Uh, so he was he was quite a guy and uh, and and uh, uh, an inspiration to, to to many people to, to many people and and change he did achieve absolutely but in Ireland we know him mainly through, from from our education as as the the man who got the vote for Catholics but that that's a, a sort of, of limited interest in this day and age but but he was one of the very first anti-slavery campaigners. Um, and uh, uh, he fell out with his fellow um, um, politicians by refusing to accept uh, donations from Americans who wanted to contribute to the cause because they were tainted with slavery. Uh, he was he was very pro Jewish rights and women's rights man ahead of his time, and he also started very, a lot of institutions in Ireland like. Uh, the Bank of Ireland was one was was one of the things which he was involved in. Start Glasnevin Cemetery, which is our national cemetery, which because Catholics weren't allowed to be buried within the within the confines of Dublin city, so he he built a cemetery for Catholics. But being the man he was, it was open to everyone, Catholics and Protestants. So he didn't bear any grudges. I mean, it was he was uh, a lot of people have tried to portray him as anti-British. But it, that definitely wasn't the case. He was uh, he was uh, trying to be inclusive. He was trying to include everyone together rather than yeah. And as you say, hugely ahead of his yeah, time. Absolutely, when you look at his achievements. It is it is rather sad, isn't it? On occasion, when you talk to um, uh, younger folk, some younger folk who are a little ignorant, really, 
of the huge achievements of, and I'm talking about here in Ireland, but the huge achievements of this Irishman. Well, yeah, exactly. I've been trying. The our uh, whiskey is called the Liberator. Daniel O'Connell was known as the Liberator, and we've named our whiskey in his honour as the Liberator Irish Whiskey. Uh, and the company is called Wayward Irish Spirits, after what the British Prime Minister Robert Peel called Daniel O'Connell. He called him that Wayward Irishman. So we've sort of taken that on with pride. Uh, I love and, that. I love uh, that. That's brilliant. And and the whiskey is called the Liberator. I thought that it would be a slam dunk. I thought everyone in Ireland would know who the Liberator was. But a lot of uh, our, a lot of our target market is twenty five to forty year olds, and they come up to me and say, "Hey, cool name for the bottle, Morris O'Connell. Why do you call it the Liberator?" And I just really don't know where to start on that, but uh, uh, please don't think it's a well. Well, things like this help, and I, I could really listen to you all day talk about your ancestor and that and that history. Incredible man, incredible man. Getting back to the business mm. you've you've started, you've devoted yourself to, um, and you know this 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 pod is about stories like the one you're telling, and it, it's it's also about it's about business. Where does where does one start on that plan, uh, as it were? What's the first thing you have to do if you're going to create a great whiskey? The first thing you want is to want to do it and uh, and not have a lot of sense. Um, the the original plan, I mean, the, the, the Irish whiskey has been on a on a huge growth spurt for the last decade, uh, mostly fronted by 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 Jemison. Uh, have pushed Irish whiskey internationally to huge heights now. Irish whiskey used to be the the main whiskey. It was the whiskey of choice up until the the uh, we had falling out with the British uh, um, in the early twentieth century. Um, that that cut Irish whiskey off from our markets in the states and Canada and in, and the rest of the empire. And uh, with the second world, with the first and second world war, Irish whiskey was decimated, and in its place, Scotch became hugely prominent. Uh, but in the 19th century, it was you, there were a few brands, Scotch brands, which used to advertise, advertise themselves as being made in Dublin as a sign of quality. So, I mean, there's a lot of history with Ireland, and it was a really exciting regeneration of, of a business, and I found that really interesting, really exciting to be a part of. And, of course, as, as everyone in Ireland and Scotland knows, the Irish were the first to make whiskey, uh, and uh, we've traced it back now to 1405, uh, from the annals of Clan McNoise, whereas in Scotland they, they their first whiskey was 1495, so we predated them for a while. Uh, not, I mean, where we are now is that Irish whiskey is about fifth, sorry, five percent of what Scotch is producing. Uh, so we've got a long way to 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 go, uh, and Scotch have done a wonderful job of of producing whiskey. My uh, connection with this we we've been growing barley here for for years on the farm we've uh, but up to, up until recently we've uh, used that for animal feed uh, and uh, in I think it was around 2016 about four or five years ago uh, I thought it would be would be an interesting thing to use that barley to distill it to <coughs> make whiskey and the original plan was to have a distillery on site and to just to 
produce and whiskey made from our own barley. But looking into it, it it, it sort of it became really a, really whiskey in Ireland and internationally is an industrial process. It's huge buildings. It's huge uh, uh, businesses like like uh, like like Jemison, for instance, which covers about fifty acres of Middleton. Uh, it's not a small scale farm distillery. Uh, we drew our plans for a distillery in some of the outbuildings here back in 2016. And uh, at that stage, I came across a guy in Scotland who had uh, some stills, but no capital to to install them. So we had a conversation with him when he was going to come over and install his stills here. And he would come and be our master distiller. Uh, the as it turned out, he was very keen on the idea. His wife was less keen on leaving her wife, <laughs> uh, um, her family in Scotland, so it didn't happen. Uh, as it turns out, that was probably quite a lucky escape because we're not able to grow enough barley on the estate to make it a viable business. So it was, that wasn't really a commercial idea. At the same time, around 2016, the an emerge it emerged that there was a wholesale whiskey market starting in Ireland, starting started by uh, by people like uh, West Cork Distillers and Great Northern Distillery, and that gave us the possibility to to restart an old Irish tradition of whiskey bonding. Now, if you go around pubs in 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 towns in Ireland, you'll see above above pub signs whiskey bonder, and this refers to an old trade whereby the publican or merchant would take his barrels if he if he'd been importing wine, he'd take his barrels, bring them to a local distillery, get them to fill them with spirit, and he'd bring it back, and so he'd have a a barrel of whiskey to an individual's sort of house whiskey to serve to his to his customers and this this business was called bonding uh, so the emergence of this wholesale whiskey market gave us the opportunity to buy whiskey at as young spirit bring it back here and mature it in our bonded warehouse uh, and blend it and bottle it and finish it and this is where and this is where you've been brave again isn't it because <laughs> yeah. um, and I, because barrels are essential yeah um even i know that i mean as a lay person are very essential to the to the flavor and the character of that beautiful liquid we know as whiskey and you went for something a little bit different didn't you yeah uh, just my francesca my wife's family uh have been uh have had a base in portugal north of portugal for many decades uh and uh I I sort of married into that, and where they where they were is in the north of Portugal, surrounded by all the port wine families. So I got to know the port people and got to know a bit more about the port business, and I I started liking port, and this led <laughs> this led us to to being able to buy some really fresh port barrels, tawny port barrels which uh, have really been very useful for our first launch. Uh, normally, what would happen uh, is you buy your barrels from a whiskey wholesaler, and those barrels might be sitting around for three to six months. 
what I was able to do through contacts of, in Portugal was to buy these barrels, get them um, checked out by a cooperage in Porto and back here to Kerry and refilled within three weeks. So they were really fresh and just gave a real kick to the, the, the whiskey and real colour and the, that freshness has been really important because what we're doing is is uh, finishing whiskey here it's really important to get the best barrels that that's mm. key to the whole thing and, and it's and it's given so a quite quite um quite a very a, a very sort of different character um and i have a bottle yeah. here of course i do but it's very it's, it's rich in color it's yeah. very distinctive um and it has, it ha you can really get those those notes um, of of port off it. You really can taste that, which gives it that lovely warm feeling. Yeah. I find and that relationship between two things I love actually, whiskey and port, is really is really quite dynamic. Yeah. Um, and all under the Liberator label. I mean, what what did you get from it in terms of your education on the palate? Uh, again, you went for those port barrels, but your education on the palate must be well. We had we had we had a bit one. of a battle on this because the we have a. Uh, I started blending myself, and I realised that actually that's a very sophisticated uh, a skill, and so I got in two two uh, blenders. One was a, a Scotch guy called John McDougall, who is hugely experienced in distilling and blending. Uh, he's quite quite elderly now. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that, but he's got about 55 years of experience in distilling and blending. Uh, but he's very keen on doing it straight down the line, Scotch style, uh, which wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to add something a different a different side to it. So we also have a second blender who's a lady called Julia Norney, who's a Swiss-German lady who has very lots of experience outside Scotland of world whiskies. And between the two of them and myself, we have a fight as to how much port-influenced whiskey I can put in into the blend. Uh, and uh, most of the time, I I get what I I get what I want, but 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 it has to be balanced. Just just putting it all uh, whiskey matured stock, sorry, a port port barrel matured stock would just uh, would just overwhelm it. It does need to be balanced with with uh, whiskey that, that has been uh, matured just in bourbon casks. Um, so I mean that's and, and so talking talking sort of the, the business, um, the business philosophy. Then you you don't want to be surrounded by yes people, do you? You do need that. You do need that creative frisson oh, in order to try and create that product. Absolutely, and I have it on on hand in my wife Francesca, uh, who is anything but a yes person. Uh, so yeah, it's creative. It's creative destruction, I suppose. Uh, uh, but it does need that. A Bitter Chat podcast is sponsored by Contented Digital Media Group. As the name suggests, we make stuff. Content. Everything from your own TV commercial to your stylish corporate film, internal communications to great social content that will get you noticed. And if you're not too sure what you should be doing or how to reach your specialist audience, we can help there too by finding your customers and creating a strategy to get to them, recommending what content you need, making it, delivering it, and managing it. 
our own in-house studio, our experts in filming, editing, animation, GFX, design, social content, repurposing existing assets, and yes, we even make podcasts. Search for Contented Digital Media Group online now and see how we can help. Talk to you. Yeah, now, of course, we've gone through an extraordinary time. We're still living in it, rather, as, as we speak. Lockdown is going to be loosened, um, both in the United Kingdom and, and in Ireland. Obviously, no one planned for this, Morris. Has this, has this been a major setback to you? <laughs> uh, I mean... It, 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 it's too early to tell, really. We launched the Liberator on the 29th of February, uh, which is Leap Year Day, which is the uh, day also that Francesca proposed to me many years ago. And I reckon that was one of my better decisions. So uh, I took it took it as my own decision after a while. Um, and so we, we decided to launch the whiskey on that day. We weren't to know that within two weeks, the whole market would have closed down. Uh, the launch went really well. We sold out. We sold a lot of whiskey in the first few weeks. Uh, it's been slow since then. Our plan for uh, world domination was to um, was 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 to get the whiskey into bars and 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 pubs so that people were able to taste it before going to buy a bottle. Because it's a big commitment to go and buy a bottle you've never you've never tasted before. So that was the plan. But with the closure of all the the bars and hotel and pubs, uh, that was no longer. So so we've been reliant on the off trade, the off licenses. Uh, and that that's that's worked, but it's not been as it's not we haven't sold as quickly as we were as we'd imagined, but you have to adapt. Uh, the, um, the, 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 the phrase that we use here quite a lot is borrowed from the Marines, US Marines, improvise, adapt and overcome. So we haven't quite overcome yet, but we certainly improvise. We're trying to adapt to online sales and we're, we're producing, we start to produce our whiskies in miniature bottles so that People can buy a small bottle and, and taste it, and then hopefully come back and buy a lot more. Uh, mm. But you want you want you want to get the whiskey tasted by people. That's the um, and that's the secret. That's getting out because actually, people's uh, I, I don't know about you, but across this very strange period, and uh, it's true of a lot of people I've spoken to, their consumption has changed. The way they buy things has changed. You know, so you're quite right. Um, Friday night, you might go out for a meal or somebody might go to dinner or there'll be all sorts of other activities that have been curtailed. You're, you're trundling around with a shopping trolley and all of a sudden you find a bottle of whiskey in it, which ordinarily wouldn't have been a, a thought process. <laughs> so for, for, I suppose, lots of businesses, there's an opportunity in this time, isn't there? That taste change, people try different things and, and maybe that market can be maintained. Yeah, and I think one of the big changes is is the route to market now and and fulfilling orders. Uh, uh, there's been a huge amount that's gone over to online sales now, and hopefully that's not going to go back. Uh, and we just have to be able to have to work out how we're going to exploit that because as a as a whiskey producer, we're not allowed to sell. We're wholesalers. We're not allowed to sell direct to the public. So we have to do it through 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 a, a local off license, uh, maybe that maybe we can make some headway there and, and get the, the rules changed. Um, 
because it doesn't really make sense for us not to be able to sell direct. You mentioned it um, a little earlier. There's there's a renaissance taking place with, with Irish product, Irish whiskey. Is that a help or a hindrance? I mean, how competitive is the market? <laughs> uh, there's just no way that anyone is going to be able to compete with Jemison or Tullamore Dew. They're just so far ahead of everyone else. But the theory is that a rising tide raises all ships. There's there's room for, for independent operators as well at all different sizes. Um, and and just, the, just the general interest in whiskey, I think, helps everyone. Uh, it's been an interesting time. It's a very collegiate uh, uh, business, uh, especially among the independents. Uh, if, if I have a problem, if I have a missing part to a machine, there are a lot of people I can phone to ask for help, and they're, they're willing to do it. Um, yeah, everyone helps everyone else at this stage. How that will continue when we're all competing for shelf space uh, is, a, is another thing. But it, it's uh, it's like uh, like it's it's like uh, better. It's uh, people who know people that help people. Uh, it's mm. uh, and I think that that's it. And I suppose you know, there's people in uh, listening to this in America, people listening to this across the UK. Um, people here in Ireland, um, and it's that uh, it's a collaborative approach. If somebody wanted to sample your uh, your great whiskey, then how, how would they go about it? If I'm sitting in Boston listening to this currently, or uh, or somewhere in the, in, have, in the bowels of yeah. the bowels of Camden, you have to buy it online through either Irishmalts.com or Celtic Whiskey in Dublin or James Fox in Dublin. Uh, all of those do online sales, so. Um, that those are the best. Those are the, the the main the main sales we have at the moment. Uh, we haven't launched in the UK yet. We just we just done Ireland so far, um, and uh, yeah, we, I don't know when the UK when we're going to be able to launch in the UK. We're going to have to see how Brexit will affect affect that. Mm. And what's your own view of that? Where do you think it might be going? Uh, no idea. It changes day by day. I think for us, it's going to be easier to sell on the continent. Uh, it just if there are going to be tariffs, uh, you, tariffs usually come onto whiskey. So uh, if there are going to be tariffs, I, th- I think I think that might make it difficult for us. But we just don't know. So we just have to to see what happens and then make a plan based on that. Mm. Wave after wave of challenges, and you're and still smiling. Absolutely, but it's been like that all the way through. I mean, the, the, when you make when you do a startup like this, you um, you 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 uh, uh, you start with an idea, and you discover shortly that, that isn't possible. So you you come across a brick wall, wall. You've got to go either around it or over it to find a solution, and that, that's just been it all the way along. Uh, the we we converted some some uh, some buildings into a bond warehouse here and uh, the uh, and so it's a wonderful building with two foot thick walls uh, but when we converted it uh, we we didn't know as much as we should do and the wall the it's a list of buildings so we're not allowed to do much to it but the the loading bay is 1.2 meters wide. Now, 
the whiskey barrels come in pallets, which are 1.3 meters wide. Uh, we have a, a loading uh, bay. We have a, a ramp uh, where we can get a forklift, forklift truck into the warehouse. Uh, but it, uh, that's only if we take the roof off the forklift. But the uh, uh, but we can't turn it. So a lot of it has to be done by hand. You learn a lot as you go along. We probably wouldn't have done it like that if we'd known better. But if there's a lot of character to it. It's the the, the building as it turns out is absolutely fantastic for whiskey maturation. The the area here is is fantastic for maturation. The uh, generally whiskey matures when it uh, by uh, when it's in the barrel, it, it matures by uh, expanding with with changes in, in temperature. And so the spirit goes into the barrel and as it contracts, comes out of the barrel, it gets purified and takes some of the flavors from the barrel as well. Now, the that only happens if the temperature is above seven degrees centigrade. In Scotland, they have a maturation period of about six months of the year. Here, we've discovered over the last two years, um, it's about 10 and a half months. So I don't know what that's doing, but it's certainly different. You know where we are is we're in front of a lake, mountains on the other side, Gulf Stream coming over. It's a very wet place, Killarney. Uh, and our, play, our estate in particular is very wet. Those changes in pressure, changes in weather, we say we get four seasons in an hour, and that's true. It changes dramatically. Uh, every change is a change in pressure, and every change in pressure is a, an interaction between the spirit and the wood, and that is having an effect. We don't know what the effect is, but it's having an effect. So, yeah, in um, the taste. We didn't in know that taste. going in, but it's, re it's really interesting. All right, Morris. Listen, I could talk to you all day, but we, we, we've got to wrap up. Before I do, though, what I'm asking uh, all my guests to do is get a little message of optimism in these <laughs> difficult times. You just naturally are, it would seem. Um, you're, you're still happy and you're still optimistic. But what message would you give to people about what the future might hold? Wow. Uh... Why are you enthusiastic? Why are you hopeful? Yeah, somebody uh, told me the other day the... The one thing we've learned from this is that there's uh, there's no such thing as certainty. So you have to make friends with uncertainty. And the only way to do that is to have hope that that there is a something on the other side. And really, if you didn't if you didn't have any any hope, if you you wouldn't you wouldn't bother getting out of bed. Um, so it's hope. And uh, yeah, things things will take time. Whiskey is a long term business. This isn't going to make me a fortune in the next, in well, I suppose say decade. But let's hope we'll be in profit by then. But it is a long term business. If sales are slow for the next few years, it just means that the whiskey is maturing in barrels for longer, um, and it's getting better. So the, yeah, so you have to you have to be positive about it. Um, Brilliant. Listen, every cloud, keep doing what you're doing. It's delicious stuff. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Thank you, Moz. 
you're here. You got to the end. Well done and thank you. And if you'd like to find out more about Bitter uh, membership or you might be just curious, go to bitter.ie. And if you'd like to become a sponsor partner of this podcast, use the same website and contact us for a chat. Take care and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.